Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? We have Nick Gray of Fandroid back, as per usual, on the Tuesday check-in show. We have a few little stories to talk about, but one of the main things that happened this morning is that the OnePlus watch embargo lifted, so you're seeing a lot of reviews, most of which have been, let's say, lukewarm, to OnePlus's first major wearable. Of course, they had the uh, fitness band that was only released in a couple of different markets, but this is the full-on smart watch. And we talk about why smart may not be the word you want to use in smartwatch for the OnePlus watch. With that said, though, we do talk about a few other stories, including some final thoughts on the whole LG uh, news that happened last week, uh, and uh, talk a little bit about mobile gaming and the hype around the Pixel 5a 5G. All right, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Everybody, uh, the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast with Nick Gray of Fantroid. Enjoy. We haven't talked about this on the show yet, and I'm... Uh, the gamer in me is very happy to know that you're playing a game I'm into right now, but it's also a game that I never thought I would play. I never thought I would play League of Legends, ever. I I, I grew up, not grew up, I was in college with roommates who played the original, like the PC League of Legends, and they were so into it, and I'm talking roommate as in my roommate and his girlfriend, and they were so into it and so competitive that they would get into relationship-ending fights <laughs> over what happened in those games. <laughs> like, I can't believe you didn't, like, why, why weren't you ganking? Why didn't you get over here? Blah, blah, <laughs> So I, I, I had sort of like a post-League of Legends trauma. <laughs> and then Wild Rift that comes a bit, out. a bit excessive, right? It, yeah, no, it absolutely was. Um... And then Wild Rift comes out on mobile. Turns out to be one of the best mobile games in recent memory. Like, they just did a really good job of adapting it. So you're you're in it now. A bit. I'm in it a bit. And here's the thing. Like, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you are. League of Legends came out... What was it? 2009? 2010? And at that point, I'd been out of college and married for five years. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting into that at all. And every time, you know, I'm every time I watch like a PC building video or something like that, and you know, they they put on League of Legends and like, yeah, we can get like 240 frames per second on this game. That's amazing. I'm like, yeah, who cares, right? <laughs> I actually grew up not not grew up, but when I was in college, it was all the rage was StarCraft. Yeah, playing StarCraft, and we had. Uh, land parties uh, just hours on end demolishing each other um, uh, my, my favorite thing for that was you know you'd ally with somebody and I would always be the Terran all the time and I'd put my siege tanks inside their base for protection and then right at the end of the game to rack up my points I would unally them and destroy their entire base and people would run into my dorm room like pissed off like why would you do that to me i'm like well i got all the i got the highest score so second (laughs) Uh, but you know i'm enjoying this game um so much so that i've probably played i don't know 40 rounds or so and i still haven't gotten mvp (laughs) which kind of sucks i'm still trying i am learning as best as i can it's hard though yeah it's it's a I difficult mean, game to uh, fathom at first because you just want to feel like it's not a hard like, game to play. It's a hard game to master. Exactly, and it's you get this feeling of like you you pick a champion that you like, and then 
when you find yourself in what they call team fights um it's a lot of the time it might be you against like two or three others if you just find yourself in a bad position and you get so frustrated because in like every other game that we've ever played the character we play has the ability to hold its ground but no there's a mm-hmm. balancing act that Riot Games does with uh, League of Legends and, and Wild Rift in this case, which brings me to one of the low-key um, first stories. Um, the 2.2a patch came out today. And <laughs> look at me talking about patch patch news in mobile games. Um, so what, what are all the new features with the patch, or what bugs have they fixed, Josh? Well, there's... Okay, so... <laughs> this I promise this will be one of the only times I ever do this. But uh, I just am excited. The reason why I wanted to bring it up because I know you play the game. You you use Master Yi, but I've been I've been experimenting with a lot of different champions. Unlike you, though, I I kind of prefer jungling. I, I do like jungling a lot. Um, Master Yi was my first character as well, but I typically use uh, Sin Sao. But there was a new char- there was a new bevy of characters that were released recently, and one of them was really intriguing. The character Diana um part mage part fighter um which is like right up my alley it's my kind of character uh she got some buffs so i'm just excited that she'll be better because she was really not viable recently like she's been out for a month and everyone very like honestly like just could not really hold her own um you had to be real savvy like like way too savvy but now you can you have a little bit of wiggle room so i'm just excited for that um a bunch of other buffs a couple of debuffs here and there and then a new character it's like a porcupine it gets a little bit some there are a lot of champions in in league um they can get a little nutty sometimes <laughs> but i'm glad you're i'm glad you're enjoying it because i know that call of duty mobile was where you and i would like connect for a while and now we have wild drift maybe we'll end up like playing on a team one of these days yeah every time i'm on you're never on so it's know, it's just, my just need to play more yeah well true it's also my just before bed like decompression game which is funny and our time difference doesn't allow for that because i'm asleep by for three hours by the time you're you're hitting that point it's true but yeah okay so light gaming talk on the top um i i I also am happy that this like i like i've been saying on many shows recently i'm really happy that this game came out because it's another example of how we're getting like a lot of nuance in our mobile games so gaming phones have more of a reason to be around and high-powered phones um and like the poco f3 from last week i i did a gaming video on it so these are all these are all good things it's really proving that our smartphones are um reaching an upper echelon in both gaming but other things as well um yeah, and I, I think this past, I don't know, year and a half to two years, we've seen this transformation from a lot of just casual games on Android and iOS to more of these, I, I, I don't want to say they're PC spinoffs, but they kind of are, like these known titles that have a huge following on desktop uh, gaming uh, within the desktop gaming community, and they've made this shift to, hey, we can create something that's very similar with a similar um, gaming experience uh, and still monetize and make just as much money if not a whole lot more money on mobile just because the barrier of entry is so much lower we can we can deliver this to a billion people rather than eh, maybe five million people who have custom built pcs right Mm -hmm. Uh, and and so the the difference in how these games are perceived 
like a lot of PC gamers look at them and they're like, no, it's not the real thing. I don't want anything to do with it. But for the casual gamer, it's something that we can finally participate in and the barrier of entry has been reduced to nothing. If you have a smartphone that's, I don't know, even a mid-range phone from three to four years ago can play half of these games. Yeah, Pretty decently as well. Yeah. We're starting to get that nuance, like I said, in, in, in smartphones where I remember back in the day, I couldn't afford anything that could play even something like league super efficiently Mm -hmm. so i would have laptops or computers that i would just turn all of the settings down to like low low resolution low frame rate all these things and now you have these options in a lot of these games but if you were able to get a flagship or you know even a big ass gaming phone like uh like the lenovo legion um which i'm i'm trying to get my hands on that that thing looks pretty gnarly um yeah you can just crank it up to 11 but the problem is in terms of wild rift if we could just come back to it for one second they're not enabling the 120 frames for all the phones and it's kind of annoying because a lot of these phones are capable of it for sure yeah i i'm not sure which devices have it enabled but the only one i'm actually doing the only one i've noticed is the s21 and the s21 ultra so far so it sounds like it's more of a uh, partnership between them because it's the same thing that we saw with call of duty mobile the sony xperia 1 2 and the 5 2 i believe were the only ones that they unlocked 120 frames per second at first because oh. it was a partnership that they they did that we're like we're unlocking you know 120 fps i'm like all these other phones are using the same processor and have better cooling they can do it as well but Sony paid extra money so that it was available only on their devices. And Mm. uh, if it's only available on the S21 devices, they're not the best thermally throttled or thermally managed smartphones with the 888 out right now. There's a whole lot of other devices that perform significantly better. And so there's no reason why those devices are exclusive to having, you know, 120 FPS unlocked, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, I, I, I've I've noticed I've noticed that uh, only certain phones are able to do it, which makes me think that like in the config in uh, the the config files, like they have like a list of devices that are, um, mm-hmm. like it will just detect what device it is and then turn it on if so. Um, so yeah, they've been whitelisted essentially. Exactly whitelisting. Thank you for that. Um, that's the right term. Um, so just one final thing I wanted to show. Um, this is for Nick. Um, this is for Nick. Uh, because it's not a video podcast, but I'm using I'm using Akali, so I have the <laughs> I'm I'm trying to learn Akali, the character Akali, as my next character. So I have the live wallpaper of Akali on my Mi 11 Ultra right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is what happens. Like I don't get obsessed with things, but you can tell what I'm into just by looking at like my wallpapers and stuff like that. Like what's my current thing right now? So. It's nice. I like this. I like this wallpaper. It's it's actually an app. It's nice to see live wallpapers making a comeback once in a while. Um, yeah, there's some nice ones that we've seen pop up recently. Yeah. All right. So into the main show. Um, I just wanted to have a little bit of that gaming talk because it's always fun. I never really get to talk to anybody else about like these specific things that we're into right now. So Wild Rift is is definitely at the top of the list for 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 some uh, at the moment, I should say. But in any case, we do have a couple of stories that we can talk about on this episode. Um, It's the Tuesday show, which more or less, unless there's a huge announcement or some sort of big event or piece of news that comes out, it's just our little like kind of midweek check-in just to see how everyone is doing and to to hang out for a bit as we we still kind of wake up to the week's news and whatnot. There are a couple of things we're going to talk about, uh, mainly... We have a new smartwatch that we're going to talk about in the back half of this show. Um, I am actually wearing mine. 
And this morning, the embargo lifted, which means that everyone has their reviews out. And let's just say so far, it seems like the reception is not quite as flattering as maybe OnePlus wanted <laughs> out of the OnePlus watch. But we'll talk about that in the back half. For now, we do have a few other things to talk about. Um, hype is starting to come up. Hype is starting to build, I should say, for Google's next phones. Now, did you, first off, did you register for I.O.? I am registered for Google I.O. I Virtually. Yeah. Which is kind of disappointing because I.O. is one of my favorite conferences to go to, not only for the announcements that we get uh, regarding Android and you know whatever else Google is working on, but being able to actually talk to people at Google and um, connect with them because they typically are not out and about in, in the real world. And at this point, nobody is. So it's, you know, not being able to connect with them in person is kind of disappointing. Yeah, the uh, the so the invitation came in. But what was funny was IO is actually open to everybody. So no matter who you are, you can register for it. It's just that once you get to the end of the registration, it will ask you, what do you develop? And you just have to put nothing. <laughs> but also the um, I, I went ahead and registered for it. It is virtual. And then I got an email. Um, I'm not going to say from, from who specifically, because they're using some sort of agency for it, but apparently they're going to put together some sort of like montage of Google IO videos or content from the last number of years. And apparently they hey, want, we, we got that video, that email as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, they, they were asking about trying to use a video, uh, for those who might remember Chris Chavez, mm -hmm. uh, he was in, he did a tour video of Google IO 2011 and they're like, we want some video. We want to use some clips of this. I'm like, I don't think I have the original file anywhere because that was a heck of a long time ago. Yeah. I got, I got the email for, um, after hours parties that happened at IO and there, that's always like the big thing that Google usually did a really good job of like booking some dope acts. Um, and one of them was just a fun after hours party with like a silent disco. And if you've never been to a silent disco, I highly recommend it because it's a very unique experience. Basically, um, instead of blaring the music from super loud speakers, they give everyone a pair of headphones that all broadcast. They're all synced. They're all synced up. So what's really funny is when you're there, you just take the headphones off and people watch and it's just, it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you actually need to do is edit edit the video, record everything, edit the video, and then change the song. Mm -hmm. Which I had in, to do. In the background. I had to do in that video because yeah. obviously we don't want a copyright strike. Yep. <laughs> so they wanted that clip. They also wanted a clip from when Kygo was the the act. I don't think I filmed when Steve Aoki was the act, and that was like the last time they did it in the Moscone Center. Um, but yeah, I, I had to email back and be like, well, I don't really have the rights to those videos anymore because I don't work at Android Authority. <laughs> Yeah. But they still need me to release my likeness. So it's interesting how these things kind of kind of come about. Um, in any case, this year's is going to be virtual. You're right. It's a little bit disappointing. We're not going to be able to be there. Um, but at least we're going to have what might potentially be the announcement of Google's next device, which would be the Pixel 5a. The A line tends to be like, I don't know, like both both lines, the main line and the A lines do tend to get the same amount of hype. But it's the A lines that always sort of we get really excited for it because we know that it's something we can probably recommend easily to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, so how are you feeling? Uh, actually, I should say the story is that Google kind of low-key announced it because someone was saying that 
the Pixel 5a 5G is canceled. And then Google responds, a spokesperson actually made in an official statement, Pixel 5a 5G is not canceled. It will be available later this year in the US and Japan and announced in line with when last year's A-series phone was introduced. So around IO, maybe just about just after that. Um, yeah, so the I think the Pixel 4a last year was July, actually, which is a couple months after. Mm-hmm. IO uh because the the previous one the Pixel 3a did make its debut at IO 2 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I I think it's going to be a little bit after IO they might hint at some things but you know it is a mid-range, you know, budget-friendly device so it's not like um you know the media is really going to be like oh my gosh the Pixel 5a but yeah so uh, as you mentioned there was this leak/rumor that uh, Google had decided to cancel the 5A due to the global chipset shortage that's currently in effect. Yeah. Saying, you know, they just decided to scrap it. And then within hours, and typically you don't get, um, you don't get uh, companies commenting on rumors like this. But this was such a big rumor because the Pixel a you know the 3a and the 4a have been among the best-selling devices for google's pixel lineup the last couple years they've accounted for at least 50 percent of the sales within those segments for google and so canceling the 5a would have a significant impact on google's hardware sales for the year but they're saying now it's not canceled it is coming coming roughly the same time as the 4a made its debut last year but it's only coming to the u.s and Japan, and they specifically said that it's only coming to two markets, the mm-hmm. U.S. and Japan, which seemingly would suggest that the U.S. and Japan are the biggest markets for Google's, at least their budget-friendly devices. I can actually kind of attest like to that. Showing because... their hand mm-hmm. as to you know what devices you know are doing well in which markets, and hey, Japan and the U.S. are the ones that are buying up those four A and five A or three A's and four A's. And hopefully the 5A as well. I can actually attest to that because in 2019, I was very blessed to be able to go to Tokyo like three times in that year. And every time we went to, what's the name of the huge um, Tokyo electronics market? Um, Try to remember the name of it. Not in Akihabara, what's the name? Big Camera, that's the name. Big Camera is one of them. And in, in, in the huge electronics markets that are in Japan, in Tokyo in particular, which is where we went, um, yeah, Google has like a huge presence. Like when you think about it, you walk in there and it kind of looks like a trade show floor, only there's people there, obviously. But the um, the the Google installations were always front and center, right at the entrances, like Google has a big foothold in Japan. It's, it's it was kind of surprising to see. So to to hear this announcement and some people were reacting to it like, oh, why is it only U.S. and Japan? And I'm like, well, Japan kind of has like they had a lot of Google faithful out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing that go along with this, they could have contracts in place with service providers mm-hmm. because over in Europe, the Pixel phones technically aren't being sold through most service providers, but in the U.S., they've had a huge contract with Verizon for pixel devices uh and i i'm not sure what the the story is in japan but they could have a contract with service provider where they had this lined up already so in order to make those contract obligations if they canceled it they would have to pay out cash in order to cancel a phone and that's never 
economically feasible. Like we want to not do something, but to not do something, we have to pay money. Mm -hmm. So might as well do it and make money in the process. Yeah. I do like that they have the, um, if it's, if, if it's very much the name, I mean, I know, I know obviously like 5G should be coming on as many devices as possible at this point at least um but I'm, I'm i'm wondering if there's going to be a discrepancy between pixel 5a and pixel 5a 5g the way that we had with the 4a and the 4a 5g because the the pixel 4a 5g if if i were to just talk candidly i think that was the sleeper hit to be honest because while the 4a was the affordable one that anyone could get the 4a 5g was just enough of a bump up with a slightly bigger screen with multiple cameras um and of course, five G. I was like, "Oh, that's the one that actually really impressed me." Um, if I had to, well, I mean, one. the the four A five G was technically the Pixel five, just without like water, yeah, w- slight like a slightly larger display, no waterproof uh, IP rating, and two hundred dollars cheaper. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "No, that's the phone you should actually buy, unless you really need IP sixty eight dust and water resistance." The four A five G is the one to buy, or unless you and really need ha- to save money. Yeah, I mean, so the the thing is that with the rumors for the Pixel 5a, it's expected to be pretty much identical to the 4a 5g that we got last year, but it's it, it's now the the 5a, and so and it should be 5g as well, and there might be some slight tweaks here or there, but it should then technically be cheaper than the 4A 5G at la- from last year, which was, what, $499 mm-hmm. uh, with, without a contract or anything like that. So it should be maybe be $399 at this point uh, to make it, you know, a true, you know, 4A successor. But, and at $399, or, yeah, at $399, that would be a pretty decent device. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, I would just say, just use the 4A 5G and just call it to 5A <laughs> and just cut the price by 100 bucks and save your product team from releasing another product yeah. that's slightly different. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully, it comes with better colors because the 4A 5G was uh, a little disappointing just being available in black at launch. True. Um, the, the the colors for, aside from maybe that green um, and the white for the, the green for the Pixel 5 and the white for the pixel 4a it was kind of limited in terms of coloration um Mm -hmm. all right so with google io coming up maybe or maybe not we'll be seeing the 5a 5a 5g whatever the case may be but the other thing that we might be seeing more of is uh early looks at android 13 and there was one final thing i did want to bring up now the last episode that we did it was uh me and jaime in the same room able to just sort of you know um just talk at length about what happened with lg what we thought (laughs) it's funny like now i feel like a stigma in talking about it in these terms like what went wrong with lg like (laughs) all those things all the things went wrong but yeah we talked at length about it so we have a whole episode on that so if you are listening to this episode you haven't gotten jaime's extensive thoughts on lg's situation uh, make sure you go back to the previous episode before this one However, there is one piece of news, uh, maybe a little bit of a silver lining uh, for those of you who might have LG smartphones, especially recent flagships, including the LG Wing and the Velvet. Um, But apparently LG will continue to support them with up to two major software updates, major meaning up to Android 13. So a little bit of good news. Um, I know that when I responded to that email, I was like, that is kind of nice of you guys to to, to kind of guarantee that uh, it's only for select devices i don't have the list in front of me but it is only it is only for select devices 
Yeah, so it, it would be any phone launched in, it would be the G series, the V series, and the Wing. Uh, and for those devices, it would be smartphones launched um, going back to 2020, I believe. Yeah, so very recent. Because they stuff. launched, yeah, so they launched in 2020 with Android 10 at the time, upgraded to 11, now being upgraded to 12, maybe and then upgraded to 13. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's, I'm sure there's an article out there on pocketnow.com that shows exactly which devices are going to be getting these updates. Oh, totally. But, and, and one thing to note, it's not for every market though. They said specific devices for specific markets. So there are going to be some markets, uh, maybe across uh, Europe or Asia that you might have purchased those phones in that will not be getting those specific updates. Uh, so that's that's something to keep an eye out for, you know, your your local market um, social media accounts for LG to see uh, if if those specific devices are going to be available with those updates where you are. Um, I'm assuming since most of these had carrier support here in the U.S., uh, the contracts that they had uh, selling those devices through carriers, they need to fulfill those contracts and make sure that they're rolling out those updates uh, specifically here in the U.S. and most likely other markets in Europe where their the phones were sold through the service service providers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's to hoping to any of you out there who might still be holding on to, let's say, clutching clutching your LG devices, that that'll be a little bit of a piece of good news for you guys. Um, I know that Isa has been doing a lot of TikTok content with her LG Wings, and I say Wings. She actually got two of them. She got multiples. Yeah, she got two. I got my wing here somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I want to. I want to dust it off, and and uh, I want to dust off that one and the velvet because the velvet still is one of my favorites because it made the dual screen case easier to use. That dual screen case was thinner. It looked better, and it it, it did a great job. The velvet was like, I'll always remember how we all thought the velvet would be a bit of a comeback for LG. That they were like, oh, mm-hmm. they're going back to design. Maybe they're getting a little conventional with the insides, but that's fine as long as it's eye-catching. And the Velvet was. Um, dual screen case included. Except the software just killed it for me. Oh, man. Jaime had a ton to say about that software. And it was just like, it, it eventually came down to LG just never really wanted to change what we all want to change. Um, even um, Color OS, this is one of his points, even Color OS from Oppo looks more like stock Android than LG's mm-hmm. software does. Well, and so it's, here's the thing, Samsung and LG, both from Korea. And if we go back and you look at Samsung software originally and what Samsung software was trying to do, they were always trying to copy what Apple was trying to do. LG was out there on its own um, with its software, trying to create a software experience that was unique to its devices. Mm -hmm. But specifically, LG's biggest market has always been Korea, right? So their software is tailor-made for the Korean market, and they could love it over there. Just like, you know, a lot of the Chinese manufacturers have tailor-made software made for the Chinese market that us in, you know, in Europe and in the U.S., we find a little revolting at times just the way that they try to organize the content on the phone and you know the settings menus and stuff like that but lg was trying to make it globally with the software build and i'm like it just doesn't work they didn't adapt it enough to the markets that they wanted to have a big presence in and 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, if if LG could have fixed its software, I think that could have fixed half of its issues just right there, you know, regardless of what, what the hardware is. Wouldn't it be weird if Android 12... Let's even go farther than that. Let's go to Android 13. What if Android 13 came out a year and a half from now-ish? Let's say that. Uh, two years at the most. And when it gets installed on these V and G and wing and velvet phones all of a sudden it's like whoa this 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 software is amazing they actually update update their custom ui that's software that's actually good you're like good this is the last update and you're never getting anything literally too little too late yeah literally too little too late can you imagine all the articles that will come out and just be like the lg is finally making a comeback (laughs) the v60 all of a sudden is like such a great phone like you know cameras notwithstanding uh because that was yet another point that jaime kept making like you can already see the writing on the wall when lg just wouldn't change the sensors like software aside they just kept using the same sensors and it was just like uh 2019 going back to like the whole i went to japan three times that was the year that we started seeing sony really just take over smartphone camera markets that imx mm-hmm. sensor in 2019 i'll say over and over again made so many weird like off the beaten path phones viable like that year's red magic i think three or 3s i'm trying to remember what, exactly which one it was but the red magic phone that i had that year it's a gaming phone You're like this phone can actually take pictures exactly and it's kind of good their software was bad like they, their computational photography was still bad so dynamic range was bad but like overall the images were were solid for you know a for gaming phone is, that yeah. was what five hundred dollars yeah for a gaming phone that most people don't even really know, you know, and then that was also the year that I that I fell in love with the Zenfone line. Um, that Zenfone Six had those same Sony sensors, and with ASUS's processing, which is not the best, but it still was a great phone to vlog with, uh, mostly because mm-hmm. of the flipping camera. So the and and that camera had those sensors. So it's like, yeah, unfortunately for LG, they just didn't, they didn't like they didn't. They wanted to buck the trend so much that that deluge ended up washing they, over them. They got bucked off the trend yeah. and off the beaten path, exactly. right? Kind of got lost along the way. Well, before we go into an, uh, an entire episode again about LG, and I'm sure it's going to happen again. What's funny <laughs> we is... We should stop it there. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is tonight I'm going to be on all about Android, and it's going to be yet another diatribe about, <laughs> about LG, I bet you. Um, but in any case, uh, let's go ahead and get into a break, and we'll talk about these things on our wrists. All right, back from the break. Um, I I bet when this episode comes out, a number of our listeners will have already seen uh, either YouTube videos, if, I mean, I haven't done it yet, but a lot of articles, I guess the only way for me to start this is, why, 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 why did OnePlus, um, I can't curse. <laughs> Why did how how did OnePlus wet the bed on this one? I I don't know. So for those who are wondering what we're talking about, the OnePlus Watch, which mm-hmm. is their new smart watch, which is kind of a misnomer because this honestly isn't any smarter than their fitness tracker that they released what was it? Late last year. Yeah, not here. Not here, but yeah. o- over in Europe. But mm-hmm. I mean, they released a fitness tracker 
and this smartwatch doesn't do anything more than the fitness tracker does. It looks like a smartwatch. It appears to function like a smartwatch on paper, but um, for it's not running Wear OS. Uh, it is running a custom version of a real-time operating system, so an RTOS, similar to what we get on devices like the AmazeFit watches, mm -hmm. which have been around for years. Um, I didn't realize that was the term for it, real-time operating system. I never... Yeah, RTOS. Yeah. And so the, the benefits to RTOS uh, is in the way that the structure that, that the operating system operates. Essentially, it doesn't allow for a whole lot of background processes. Hmm. Only certain things are allowed to have background processes. And because of that, it can last two weeks on a single charge. Yeah. Unlike, unlike Android or Wear OS, where you can have applications running in the background and the system's doing, you know, it's talking to your smartphone for notifications, this and that. And because of that, battery life only lasts a day and a half to two days, maybe three if you have a specific type of smartwatch. But um, but this OS, that, that, that also means that real-time OSs like this are, um, they're fixed. It's not like you can add any applications to it. It's not like you can really customize it to the same level of like Wear OS and whatnot. There's certainly no app store. Yeah, there's there's no app store. So it's technically not fixed. Like you, they could create their own app store and create their own applications and have developers create applications for it and watch faces, things like that. But being their first device, creating an ecosystem and you know a different platform definitely isn't in their best interest at this time just because it would take so much investment on there. They would spend more money developing an open platform to get people on it than all the profits that they would be seeing from this device for the next couple of years just because, I mean, honestly, it's not going to be the best-selling smartwatch on the market. Mm -hmm. um, but it has its benefits. As mentioned, it does last two weeks on a single charge. Um, Honestly, I have not had it for two weeks yet. I've had Same. it for, what, eight, nine days? Oh, I've had it for even less. But, I've only had it for like three or four, personally. And it's like... Yeah, so I've had it for over a week now, and I'm still sitting at like 33% battery charge. Which, you know, when compared to any Wear OS device, that's that's freaking amazing. I mean, it makes me miss my pebble from from years back right where you can go a week without having to charge charge the smartwatch and but, that really makes a difference in terms of you know having features like sleep tracking where you need to wear the watch at night to slap to track your sleep if your device is dead at the end of the day you need to put it on the charger and you then you can't track your sleep mm -hmm. uh, so it does have benefits there but i don't know the 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 software that they gave us uh, during the testing period wasn't the final build, uh, so there's issues there. Uh, the the application that they gave us uh, wasn't available through the Play Store yet. Uh, it wasn't the final build there as well. Uh, so when you tracked a run, it didn't always pull up the same information within the application itself on your smartphone with the OnePlus Health app. Um, a lot of times it wouldn't even show you the map of where you ran. And this, for me, kind of frustrated me because I experienced great inconsistencies in step counting and GPS tracking 
while wearing this device while tracking uh, outdoor hikes and also runs. So much so that I went on a five mile run and my smartphone, uh, I use Strava to track my run on my smartphone. My smartphone told me that I ran 5.1 miles. And then this smartwatch told me I ran three and a half miles. Mm. It was saying I was doing like 13 and a half minute miles. And then I was like, you got to pick up the pace. And Strava was like, no, you did good. You did like nine minute miles. I'm like, if this is supposed to be a fitness tracker and essentially running the same software as their fitness tracker, if it can't even do fitness tracking right, I'm like, why? I, d I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe they've released it a little bit too early. Uh, software is just not right yet. Uh, but even with the software updates that it has received, I, I've received one update on the watch itself um, right before launch. Uh, Which mainly just gave us a ton of more watch faces. <laughs> like yeah, a ton more watch faces, but it's supposed to help with integrating with the maps as well so that you can track your runs and it will show you the information there on mm -hmm. the app better. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's still a work in progress. I mean, honestly, if you were planning on buying this watch, um, I, I still am trying to formulate my full thoughts for our full review because I wanted to see if there was any real improvements after the launch. Uh, but as of right now, it's... It's not something I would say you should rush out and buy. Yeah. Even if you're a OnePlus fan. Even, yeah, even if you're a OnePlus fan, and even if that $159 price point is enticing, which it is, um, because a lot of smartwatches, even ones from like Amazfit and whatnot, they usually run up around $199, more than that. Um, the the thing is, I'm I am disappointed in like how the experience has turned out. There are parts of it that I really enjoy, like just like the, just the look of it in general. Like it's got a very clean, it's got that very oxygen OS look to the OS on here, the RTOS. And the, um, the, the actual watch itself, despite being a little bit large in terms of diameter, is not super thick. It's also got a nice sheen to it. I like the look yeah, of this watch. It has a really nice, as far as the hardware goes, it's a really nice fit and finish. There's nothing that really stands out as, you know, that iconic design that you're going to recognize immediately. Um, but there's nothing, there's nothing bad about it at all. Actually, the, the polish fit and finish on it feels really nice. Um, it does pick up some fingerprints on the side, uh, but they, because of the incredibly polished finish, they just wipe off immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I do have to say though, I, I, one, one thing I don't appreciate about the design is the, uh, magnetic charger. It has two, two tiny charging pins at the, on the back of the device, which need to line up with the charger and the magnets kind of align everything properly. But uh, the last time I've seen a, a round circular puck like this, that um, kind of disappointed me was a couple years ago until uh, Fossil introduced their charging puck and they completely redesigned it with, instead of having two charging pins, they had two charging rings all the way around the back of the phone which means you could align it with the charging puck any which way and spin oh. it around. And so it was always making a connection and didn't have to connect in one specific way. Yeah. Um, I don't think they would have a patent on something like that. And that definitely wouldn't cost anything more than what they've done right here. Um, but, you know, just th for me, that's the only design mishap is, you know, being able to 
put it on the puck securely every single time. Um, but again, I've only had to charge it the first time I, you know, right before I put it on. And so, you know, it could be, that's not really going to be an issue going forward because you're only going to put it on the charger, you know, 20 times a year. What's funny is you mentioned like in your case, you have your specific, I'll say health and wellness situation, which would be like the distance activities. Um, so that would Mm -hmm. be hiking and, and running and whatnot. In my case, um, I did track a workout, um, just, I finally went to the gym for the first time in a year yesterday and I was super excited about it. Um, and I did track that one. I can't say much about it because all it really was tracking was my heart rate. Um, it was about an hour and 10 minute workout all in total. So including rest periods and whatnot. But the thing that I noticed as far as the inconsistency is concerned is the sleep tracking where I just looked on the app. Now, to be fair, I did wear this mostly with the OnePlus nine pro as the phone that it was um, paired to. But then I got the app and I downloaded it to my Zenfone 7 um, because my Zenfone is my daily driver. I just looked in the app in the Zenfone 7. It doesn't have any of my sleep tracking records. So I don't know what happened because it tells you when you pair it to another phone that it will still save your info and sync it or whatever. Um, yeah, it says I haven't slept, <laughs> which is obviously ridiculous. And I wore it basically like over the weekend for sleeping. The other thing that I, it's, the other thing about sleeping that I'm really disappointed by on this watch in particular, these are very specific things for me. The haptic engine is very weak. It's certainly not something that you can use as a wake up alarm, uh, much less as a notification thing, because you can barely, at least for me, I can barely feel the vibration off this watch. And I need that to be the strongest part of the watch. I can mm-hmm. I can forgive an always-on display. I don't really need an always-on display if I can just raise my wrist and it turns on anyway. Always-on display is just a luxury. But I think vibration motor is like, it's, that's like step one almost. Yeah. Um, so one thing to note, the sleep tracking issue is not an issue that you're experiencing. It's across the board. Mm-hmm. Sleep tracking is, sleep tracking information as of right now is only available on the smartphone, on the watch itself. It's not transferring to the app. Uh, and that's something that quite a few people have, have noted with their reviews. Which um, is funny because right now, if I can just show you, it says no data. <laughs> Still no data. Oh, even, even on the watch? Yeah. It says no data? Maybe because, yeah, so I, it, maybe because I switched it over and it like, I don't want to say it like eradicated data on the watch when I it paired it. It shouldn't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It shouldn't. Yeah, so the sleep tracking information as of right now is essentially stuck on the watch. Um, and it does uh, supposed to transfer information to Google Fit. Uh, and so if you're a Google Fit user, uh, all of your calories and steps and stuff like that should transfer over to Google Fit. But because the application on your smartphone isn't getting the sleep tracking data onto from the watch, your sleep tracking data then is not transferred over to Google Fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, I don't know. They, I honestly... They should have probably waited another month to release this in order to get the software issues worked out. Uh, I I don't know. Like I I wanted this to be really good. It's just left me disappointed. Honestly, like I've used a handful of Amaze Fit watches over the last couple of years, and they're not true smart watches in the sense of what you get with a Tizen watch uh, from Samsung or a Wear OS watch or you know an Apple watch. 
they they are limited in their functionality because you cannot get third-party applications on there and you know replying to messages and managing uh, notifications is dramatically inferior to some of those other operating systems but still those amaze fit watches work significantly better yeah. than what you get on the oneplus watch as of right now mm -hmm. i even have one that i've been using t-rex pro and while that might be a much bulkier solution it's better at a lot of the tracking its haptic engine is not it's what's the term I'm looking for here it's not it doesn't have a whole lot of richness to it, but it's powerful. So it's got that. You can you can feel it. I can feel it, but it's got that sort of high pitched uh, vibration to it that we mm -hmm. usually get from like mid range Chinese phones, and it's like a dead giveaway that it's a Chinese phone when you have that, that type of vibration. Or a Motorola phone. Or a Motorola phone. Fair. Yeah, right. That's those, a good those point. Cheap two hundred dollar the Moto E's. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, just some thoughts on the OnePlus Watch. Uh, this morning is when reviews have been popping uh, popping up. And uh, as it turns out, a lot of people have had the same issues that we have had. So here's to hoping that OnePlus is able to flesh out their ecosystem. Clearly, they've been doing a lot of experimental stuff over the last year or two, not, not just with this watch, but also the Hasselblad partnership. Um, the OnePlus 9 Pro is generally a good phone, um, one that is fairly easy to recommend but the hype around the Hasselblad and the camera uh, did not quite live up to uh, the execution didn't quite live up to the hype and I think we can say the same for the OnePlus watch um, it is 159 but oh let me put it this way even for 159 apparently a lot of you guys and I, I guess I have low-key a little bit I, I don't think I've had as many issues as other people but apparently the notifications are like not consistent at all yeah, so you don't get notifications from every single app. There's only certain applications that you can get notifications from. And then uh, I've had experiences where they come in late or not at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and then times where they come in just perfectly fine. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very inconsistent across the board. And then uh, as far as replying to notifications, you only get like three or four canned reply options uh, there is no option. There's there's no on-screen keyboard or anything like that like you get on Wear OS where you can reply with your own thing. And no voice dictation even though they make no it. No voice dictation either. Which correct. is funny because they make it clear that this watch can take like calls and whatnot. Um, like that's what the well, documentation but says. But yeah, it, it goes to they don't have a voice dictation system built into the operating system at all in order to do uh, voice to text. Yeah. And there's also... Oh, okay. I, I I was just about to say, like, I just noticed that I don't really get any, um, I don't get any of sounds coming from my watch. But then I realized, oh, I have it on mute, <laughs> so <laughs> never mind. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I keep scrolling through this operating system, and I just like the way that it's. I like the way it looks. It's clean. They got the right like font on the on the. They got the right font. They have. You know, all of the cards that you would expect. Like, it looks good. It's just, it's got to be optimized. To be fair, it doesn't look that much different from Wear OS. <laughs> like, you go, you go to the app window and the apps scroll and, like, move along the edge just like they do in Wear OS. You're at the home screen. You swipe down. You get quick toggle settings. You swipe up from the bottom. You get notifications. Uh, there's no swipe from left to right, which would be the Google Assistant on Wear OS. And then if you swipe from right to left, you get 
a handful of cards, just like you get on Wear OS. So like the user experience and, you know, getting around the device is very familiar for anyone who's had a Wear OS device in the past. Um, the animations seem to be a little bit slower or not as refined. Uh, but as you said, it, it, it does look nice. It, I mean, there's, there's no issues on that front. It's just, whoa, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I hit the find Set my phone. An alarm? I, I accidentally um, yeah. hit the find my phone button. <laughs> Sorry. You found your phone. I, I hope, found my right? phone. It was right in front of me. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I, I think I think the issue is they simply didn't have enough time, the software team, in order to get everything they needed just right before the launch. You know, check back in in a month. It could be a completely different story. And if this if the price remains around one fifty and it gets better months later, it'll become quite the contender, I think. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I keep putting it back on because it's such a good looking watch, but uh, oh, well, anyway, before we get too far with uh OnePlus watch kind of going in circles with it, I'm sure I'm going to talk about it again on all about Android tonight, of course. Uh, but yeah, uh, that'll do it for this episode. Our midweek check-in with you guys on the pocket now weekly podcast. We talked about, you know, just kind of final stories with LG, a little bit of uh mobile gaming talk, uh, because Nick and I are, I mean, I don't think TK plays wild rift jaime definitely doesn't (laughs) and then of course talk about the oneplus watch um get hyped for whatever the pixels are coming out a little bit later on but also we can tease that there are i mean we all know that a couple of big announcements or one in particular is going to happen this week as well so later this week we will talk about everything that sony puts out at their event um which kind of came up out of nowhere last week uh, and now we're going to see what they have in store for us this week um all right well with all that said we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the podcast thank you so much for kicking it with us and we'll get into the outro starting now all of the links for nick gray fandroid and myself are found in the show notes make sure you hit up all of those links so you can follow us across the interwebs but as far as pocket now is concerned you can always head over to pocketnow.com for all of the latest headlines and news you can see pocket now on social media at pocket now on twitter and instagram and then of course head over to the youtube channel at youtube.com slash pocket now for content that's coming out basically every single day with all of that said we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the pocket now weekly podcast thank you so much for listening and hanging out with us and we will see you in our next episode this Friday.